I understand it's going to be scary. I get it. Yeah. Here is a step-by-step process to help get you there. Because once you become, again, my, my catchphrase, you know, the captain of your own life, you understand that literally everything in your life is in your control. Once you understand that and you trust yourself and your abilities, it doesn't matter what's thrown at you. You know that you're able to handle it and overcome it. My name is Johnny Elsasser, and I'm a former Special Operations U.S. Army Ranger and Tactical Commander to the U.S. Ambassador's Protective Detail. I have seen the struggle even the most hardened men have faced when they combat their inner demons, and I am here to shine a light on those struggles to show that no man is exempt from adversity and internal pain. Men from all walks of life share their stories of hardship, darkness, and perseverance so that every man knows that whatever he is going through, he is not alone. Evolution for men begins now. This is a Soul Fire production. Hey everyone, today's guest is Taylor Morgan. He is the captain. Yes, you heard that right, Captain Morgan. It is awesome to have him on a show. We have a great conversation because not only is he helping men today balance their lives and start thriving in how they live, but he also has a lot of tools that can really help guys move through some of the places they feel stagnant and struggling in. Really enjoyed this episode. He's a former Marine as well, which is always awesome to have my veterans on the show. So Great time having a conversation with Taylor. And what I learned really from this episode, what I took was that, you know, there is a standard in which we can live by and his captain's code gives us that ability to really follow through with a process that we can hold ourselves accountable. The 12 foundational articles that he gives for how he lives and how he has those who follow him live. It's really, really powerful to bypass a lot of the ways that we struggle in life to bypass that lower vibrational connection and really live in that higher version of ourselves. So enjoyed this episode so much with Taylor. I know you guys will as well, and I'll see you all around the corner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to The Art of Masculinity. Today, we have Taylor Morgan on with us. Um, Really excited to have you on here, brother. Love like what you got going on with your how you serve men out there. And the captain is the philosophy, the pirate. I love this. I don't know what guy doesn't want to be a pirate, by the way. (laughs) Right? Like, why not? You get to drink rum all day and just party, have fun, you know? It's awesome, man. This I is, freaking love this it. This is not rum. Water. <laughs> it's water. <laughs> water, guys. No, just kidding. No, man, it's it's really cool to have you on. I'm excited to jam out with you today. And uh, before we start and get into anything, I want to I want to throw out there my manly round. It's just a few questions I ask all my guests to to get familiar with them. You ready for that? Let's go. All right, brother. What is your spirit animal and why? Oh, spirit animal. I've never really nailed down a spirit animal. My uh, my Chinese New Year animal is a pig, which I never liked that. Um, so I would want to pick something cool. Like, uh, I feel like it would be some type of Arctic uh, ocean animal because I'm or some type of Arctic animal, because I'm, I'm very good, very well-versed in the cold. Uh, in fact, I, I mentioned before we started recording, I'm in Minnesota right now. It's about negative 10. And every morning at 4 a.m., I'm up in the ice bath, rolling around in the snow, like just doing all things cold exposure. So some type of Arctic animal. 
I love that, man. That's awesome. Yeah. No, maybe not a narwhal. They don't seem very cool. But. I was, you know what? I was actually thinking narwhal. I was actually thinking that because I think they're pretty cool. They're, they're super, um, they're like the unicorns of the sea, you know, very, very yeah. strange. Yeah, they are. And their, their patterns are very fascinating. They actually did. Um, my wife and I used to live up in the DC and in the natural history museum, they didn't whole exhibit on narwhals. It was really well done, dude. It's, it's actually cool. That freaking horn they got coming out of their head is actually like a tooth. So that's a uh, very fascinating, but their whole structure and how they fucking go up these rivers. And like, you're like, how do these guys not just run into each other and stab each other? Like, <laughs> yeah. So here's a cool story. When I was in, so I, I was a Marine when I was deployed in Okinawa, we went to this little local shop and on, on the wall, they had a narwhal tooth, like their, their horn, they, they had it up yeah. on the wall and uh, it was for sale. And, uh, I, I want to go back to that shop if I could ever remember what the heck it was and, and purchase that narwhal tooth. That would be pretty sweet to have on the mantle. That would be pretty cool, man. Like I said, that that, that uh, um, exhibit in the museum was actually pretty dope. And they had those there. It was like really good. But yeah, narwhal is pretty... I mean, they got some fascinating features. We don't know a shit ton about them. So that's also pretty cool, right? Like anything we don't know about is kind of fascinating. So Mysterious. I love it, man. That's a, we'll, we'll make you a narwhal. That'll be your... That'll be your uh, <laughs> your spirit animal. Uh, your next good. question is: um, Imagine, imagine you are on like a you know subway in the middle of New York, and there's a bunch of people around you, and all of a sudden this song comes on overhead. What song is it that makes you have to start singing aloud? Not just singing in your head, but singing aloud in front of everybody. Huh? Any song by Mac Miller, really? Okay. Uh, if I had to pick one, my my walkout song right now is Here We Go by Mac Miller. Oh, I love that. That's freaking awesome. That's a pretty solid one. All right. And your last question, you were a Marine, so this will be fun because you're used to pranks. Um, imagine you can imagine you can travel in time, right? And uh, you can pick any person. They just got to be a well-known person, relatively well-known to the rest of the world. They can be present or they could be past. Who would you prank? And if you know the prank, what is it? I, I would pick Arnold Schwarzenegger. He seems like he would be fun to, to prank, uh, watching old videos of him back in his uh, uh, bodybuilding days of, of him in the gym. He was always a, a jokester. So what prank would I pull on him? Uh, let's see. Probably like putting something in his protein shake. Uh, the, the worst, the worst thing that I've ever tasted is magnesium glycinate, which is a fantastic supplement. But if you just take it in regular powder form, just in the mouth, it's absolutely horrid. So I feel like I would put, uh, a bunch of magnesium glycinate in his protein shake. Oh, that's good. He would, I, you know, I feel like he'd handle it well. I actually had the fortunate uh, chance of meeting him when I was doing protection overseas. Really funny guy, like super awesome. And you're right, man. In those videos, he was pulling pranks on everybody, dude. It was oh, yeah. like, he, they were all taking it seriously. And he's fucking with everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when you know you're the fucking best of the best, like, yeah, he just did whatever the fuck he wanted, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He didn't give a shit. No. Oh, so good. Well, good, man. That was, a, that was a good round. I loved it. I like the answers there. That was solid. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think a lot of people would prank him for sure. 
because I think he'd handle it well. You know, it yep. goes, I, I talk about this. It goes two ways. Either you want to prank somebody that it, they'll handle it really well and it'll be funny, or you want to prank somebody that's going to be so fucking pissed off. It's like one or the other. <laughs> There's like no in between. Uh, well, we could talk about getting pissed off. Uh, I used to get pissed off and it's very, very rare that I get pissed off now. Like in order mm. for me to get pissed off, like, am I really going to let something or, or, or yeah something somebody said or something that happened ruined my day like absolutely not mm. now understanding that i am the captain of my own life i get to control how i respond to situations it does me no good to get pissed off in the moment and react to what somebody else did or some external circumstance right so to me anybody who gets pissed off like legitimately pissed off um, and not in like a jokingly way, it's a very clear sign that they've got some emotional regulation to deal with, to grow. Yeah, no, absolutely, brother. That's good. And did you find, so first off, by the way, you are a former Marine. Thank you for your service, brother. I truly appreciate that. And I know a lot of the listeners do as well. Um, did you, were you pissed off in the Marines? Is that oh, kind of what drove you oh, there? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't think they would have, I don't think they'd have you if you weren't pissed off. Right. Every other sentence out of my mouth was fuck this, fuck that, fuck you. Uh, yeah. I was, I was very disgruntled. Um, this was like the unhealthiest I've ever been. I was super stressed out. I had trouble sleeping. I hated my life, honestly. It was it, it was a bad time. So yeah, I, I I was absolutely angry. Would let any little thing, you know, piss me off. Yeah. Why why do you why do you think that was? Was it just because of the fact that you um didn't know any better? Was it the fact that you were just like everything that wasn't done your way was was just a nuisance? Like what was it do you think that caused you to have that response system? I think a lot of guys carry that. Yeah, well, ultimately it it came down to I wasn't yet aware that literally everything in my life was my fault and therefore mm. my responsibility, right? So I was placing all of my power on external circumstances and on other people. So if something didn't go right, it was never my fault or it was never in my power to uh, control how I responded or how I felt about that. It was always, fuck you, right? Mm -hmm. So that that's really the core of it. Like, yes, there were leadership issues uh, in the Marine Corps. Really, uh, from my experience, it it wasn't leadership at all. It was more tyrannical, more more dictatorship. Like, do what I say just because right. I said so, because I'm in the position of power. So, yes, that was an issue. But ultimately, if I would have had this mindset that I do now, it would have been a completely different story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't be there now. <laughs> Right. Because right. <laughs> that doesn't change in the military. You know, it's always standards of, uh, you know, whatever they say, why, whatever their reasoning it is, that's what you got to follow. But in the military in general. But yeah. So where was the, where for you was kind of this flip of the switch? Now, was it, did you have it in the military? Did you have it after the military? Was, was there a, was there a rock bottom for you? Like, what was this? Yeah. There were multiple switches. Uh, the, this mindset one that we're talking about, this came later after the military, there were some pieces of it going on in the military. My rock bottom was in the military when I was drunk. I, I would drink like every weekend, like most Marines yeah. do, you know, um, 
because I hated my life, you know, most of us do it to numb the fact that we don't like our Monday through Friday. And then on the weekend, we get a chance to, you know, numb or medicate Mm -hmm. those depressive, stressed out feelings. So that's what I did. It was uh, a typical weekend. I was out at a party, uh, super drunk. And this is the first time that I did any sort of cannabis. And in the already drunk state that I was with a huge ego, my friend handed me this weed vape pen and I, you know, took a hit. Of course I didn't feel it. And so I, you know, kept taking them like, I don't feel anything. Is this supposed to work? Like, am I supposed to feel anything? Just keep taking hits of this thing. So now I'm super drunk, super high. And in typical old Taylor fashion, I grabbed my keys, started to walk back to my car to to drive back to base. I would do that frequently. Uh, oftentimes getting back to base, having no recollection of mm. how I got back there, right? Which is crazy because on a military base, you have to hand them your ID. Like they look at you, make sure you're coherent, talk to you. So I just got so good at, you know, faking being sober that somehow I would get past the gate. Not super proud of that. Anyways, that's what I was doing. <laughs> it's like uh, 2 a.m. now. To give further context, we are in Southern California, a nice beach town community called San Clemente, California. And randomly, the idea pops into my head that I want to climb houses. Oh, so, God. yeah. So, so that's what I did. I, I climbed up, um, uh, scaled these houses, and I came to one house where the window was open, their, their bathroom oh, window. No. So, naturally, what did I do? I went in the window, right? So now I'm in, in this person's bathroom. Uh, long story short, I end up in this girl's room where she's sleeping. And at this point, I'm like, I'm like almost freaking out. Like I, I did not plan for this because I was in like a dream state. I, I thought I was in, um, you know, a, a dream. Literally. I was like, yeah, you thought this you're is my reality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm in this girl's room watching her sleep. Uh, and now knowing what I know about energy, um, I imagine she felt my presence. She woke up, saw me there and was like, like, you know, rubbing the sleep out of her eyes. Like, who, who are you? I was like, I'm Taylor. We met at a party. I was really good at bullshitting back then. And uh, she was like, nope. I didn't go to any parties. I don't know who you are. I'm going to call the cops. And I was like, nope, that's okay. I'm just going to leave. So I went back out the way that I came, hopped uh, down onto the sidewalk, started booking it back to my car. And about halfway there, I was like, you know what? That was really weird. That, that was strange. I'm going to go back and apologize to this, to this poor girl, except I'm going to do it via rooftop. Oh, just, man. Just for the hell of it. So now I climb up to the roofs of these two-story beach houses at 2.30 a.m. and proceed to jump from rooftop to rooftop, shingles shattering, you know, falling down uh, to this girl's house. Uh, Thankfully, I I wouldn't end up making it because I came to this one gap that was pretty substantial. But in the dreamlike state that I was in, I was like, nothing can affect me. Of course, I'm going to go for it. So I got a running start, made the jump. When I landed on the other side, heard this loud pop that literally and figuratively sobered me up. I was like, this is in fact not a dream. I just messed up my ankle. How the heck am I going to get off 
this roof. Thankfully, I had been practicing CrossFit, aka functional fitness for a while. So I, I could lower myself down to, uh, thankfully, they had a, a stairway that led down their backyard. So I walked out their back gate, hobbled the rest of the way back to my car, woke up around 7 a.m., drove back to base with my left foot because my right foot was broken. Uh, that would cause me to miss my second deployment. And like I said, that literally and figuratively sobered me up. I quit drinking for two years after that. And that was the, the whole turning point of my life. I saw the trajectory of where I was going, drinking every weekend, you know, playing video games in my spare time, not doing anything productive. And from that point on, I vowed to learn everything that I could about lifestyle optimization, essentially. Mm. Health, happiness, productivity, started reading, uh, listening to educational podcasts, started taking college courses. I knew that if I would have continued down that path, I would not like the person who I was. So that was the major turning point. That's dude. First off, that story is wild. Cause that's just like, holy yeah. shit. Like this girl waking up and you're like this nice dude, not like a creep, but all she thinks is there's a fucking dude in my house, right. In my room. And I was dressed super nice too. Like it, it was a nice party. So I was like in, you know, slacks and a nice button up shirt. Um, so she, yeah, she must've been super confused. Yeah. That's fucking wild, dude. Wild story. But so what's, what's fascinating is I find that your story actually is not the, the roof jumping and the Spider-Man theme, but like everything else is, is very, uh, thematic of like what other dudes go through right now that are living this life today. And why do you think that guys need to get to some rock bottom to make this change? Well, for me, Personally, my ego was so fucking big that no matter what anybody told me, no matter how many times somebody told me, I knew what I was doing and, and I knew what was best for me. And so it really didn't matter what anybody said or how, how many stories I, I heard of other people fucking up. I am the type of person who had to experience that for myself. Mm. Um, now, whether or not the majority of other men are, you know, have such a big ego to where they're just like, you know, fuck you to everybody else. I think from my experience working with men, a lot of, a lot of guys, they're afraid to give up the good to go for the great, right? Because mm. in reality, like looking back to any, to anybody in a, a third world country, like I was living a good life, even though I was stressed out. I was borderline depressed. I uh, was having trouble sleeping, like all these things. I was living a good life, right? I had a good family. I was, I was making money. And a lot of guys are afraid to give that up to go for what could be better because it's uncertainty. So they'd rather stay in the certainty of misery Mm -hmm. then go for the misery of uncertainty. So many of us mm -hmm. are terrified of the unknown, right? So we yeah. look out into this sea of change. We might have, you know, visions of what's possible, but until we have like a step-by-step -step plan or, or somebody to lead us, uh, to show us the way, we don't want to take that leap ourselves because what if I fail? What if this goes wrong? What if I can't do it? What if everybody makes fun of me, you know? 
Um, Mm. so I think that's what it comes down to is they're afraid to give up their good life to go for the great. They're settling for average instead of chasing excellence. They're, they're comfortable. Yeah. It's like the devil, you know, over the perceived devil, you don't, right? Like you can make up because when it's unknown, I can make up all the worst case scenarios and I will seldomly think about the best case scenarios, but if I'm living an experience and then I'm like, oh, I already know this. Like, yeah, when it's hard, I know how to be in those hard times, but I also know how to be in the good times. This is, this is great for me. I think th- that's, that's a big deal for sure. Another thing is a lot of guys don't know how good their lives could be because mm-hmm. their baseline has been the same for so many years. Like imagine eating McDonald's for your whole life, which I did like all throughout high school. Like I, I ate McDonald's. So that was my baseline. I didn't know that there was anything better than that because I felt what I thought was good on that, but there's a whole nother level. And until you've experienced that level, you, you just, you're, you you don't even know what's out there. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I think a lot of guys are in that situation because when I ask them like, Hey, how do you sleep? They're like, Oh, pretty good. How's your diet? Pretty good. How are your stress levels? Eh, pretty good. No, the fuck they're not. Like I, I actually went out and interviewed people uh, in San Clemente, in fact, and I was like, how are your, how's your sleep? On a scale of one to 10, nobody said higher than a six out of 10. You know, most mm. guys that I interviewed and who I work with sleep no more than about six and a half, maybe seven hours, and it's not quality sleep. They either toss and turn, they have trouble falling asleep, they wake up still tired, whatever it is. So sleep sucks. Anybody who says their diet is pretty good is pretty full of shit, right? (laughs) Especially in the confusing world of nutrition, like there's so many things. So unless you're dialed in on that, you don't know how good you could feel when you've optimized your nutrition specific to you. Like don't follow any headline. Nutrition is so highly individualized. So unless you've worked with a coach in the past who has done that for you, you don't know how it is to be optimized. So those are a couple examples of um, how we think we're doing well, but it's, it's not, you know, peak performance. Yeah. That's a brilliant example too, by the way, the, the whole, like you, you can live on a diet and there are days you feel like a shitty diet and you'll feel like that's good. And then, but that's like your worst day on a good diet, like on a diet where you're cleaned out, you're eating healthy stuff. You're not eating GMOs and pesticides and shit. And like, you're not uh, causing inflammation on the microbiome. And then you're realizing, holy shit, that's a bad day. You know, dude, you know, what's normal. What's normal for most guys is waking up still tired, unmotivated to get out of bed, you know, foggy brain, uh, they have trouble focusing on one task. They're, you know, bouncing from thing to thing. They have some sort of, uh, digestive troubles because of their crappy diet. So their energy is low. Um, I already got into the sleep and also most people hate their jobs, right? So they're stressed mm-hmm. out, poor work-life balance. And because all the other men around them, even their friends, because they're all experiencing similar things, we just think that it's normal to be burnt out, stressed out, tired, overweight. That's just considered normal because that's the majority of of people's reality, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know know the saying, you're uh, the sum of your five closest friends, right? Of the five closest people around you is the same shit. So I'd actually like to offer, I'd actually like to offer a reframe 
of that. Yeah. So instead of you being the average of the five people with whom you spend the most time, I like to think about it as you are a reflection of the five people with whom you spend the most time because winners hang out with winners. Losers hang out with losers. If you're a loser, you're not going to be allowed to hang out with winners because they're not going to want anything to do with you. Like me now, anybody who takes my energy in any capacity, I, I don't want anything to do with you. I'm only focused on progress. How can I get better? How can my business improve? That's it. If you take mm -hmm. from that in any way, if you take my time, energy, whatever, I have no, there's no place for you, right? So winners hang out with winners. So if you are not productive, if you're not healthy, if you know, whatever, I guarantee you, most of your friends around you are going to be in that same position, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think when someone came up with that, that's what they were actually getting at is that's a reflection yeah. of you because everything in your external environment is a reflection of your internal environment. You know, it's the same thing when people drive around with messy cars or have messy rooms, you're telling me a lot about who you are internally. Yes. That's uh, an extremely underrated thing is mm -hmm. cleanliness of your car, of your room, of your office. If you have a scattered brain and you can't seem to stay focused or productive on a task, I would be willing to bet that your environment is cluttered and that there's random shit everywhere. It's mm -hmm. like you said, it's a reflection of what's going on in your head. Yeah, no, it's so good, brother. That's a really good point. Um, the other piece I wanted to touch on with you real quick, because, you know, I find that drinking is a, is a big thing. You and I both being former military guys, we, we know that drinking life. So like, we're, we understand it. And it's a heavy piece to that environment. But men in general, culturally, at least in Western culture, we're, we're uh, heavily involved in drinking as men. Like you said, we hate our Monday through basically Thursday. And then Friday and Saturday, we get real excited because we get to numb out and hit the vices. Do you think part of that is like FOMO? Like we get, we get FOMO from our friends if we don't do it with them? Or what do you think is kind of the programming behind that other than just to numb out from misery? For me, it was for sure. For me in high school, for sure. And even in the, uh, the Marine Corps as well, if I would see on, you know, a, a social media story that uh, my friends were out having fun at a party, I would get FOMO. When in reality, mm. it's like, is that actually what I want? I think so many right. guys, you know, we just think because it's in the media, it's in the movies, it's, it's glorified as the, the cool thing to do. We just accept that that's what we should be doing. But then if you actually ask yourself, how do I feel after a night like that? You know, like, is, is, is this actually what I want? And if you start to think about it for me personally, it's like, not, no, the answer is sometimes, right? Sometimes for me personally, I do like to, to, to go have those nights. Now, I don't remember the last time I got drunk, right? Like I'll still go out and have fun, maybe a glass of wine or two, but it's, it's definitely not like it was back in the Marine Corps days where literally there was in my head, there was no point to go out and drink unless I was getting drunk. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, for, yeah, for, for me, it, it was a lot of FOMO um, thinking that I wasn't cool if I wasn't out drinking. Right. Yeah. I, well, I love what one of the pieces you just said here is now 
you check in with yourself, right? And you're like, what do I want, right? Like, what do I want out of this scenario? Or what do I want to feel like after this, knowing what the result's going to be if you go too far, if you hit it too hard, right? And even if you have guys like you, guys that have cleaned up their diet, guys that have cleaned up the way they live, shit, even I would venture to say a glass of wine messes with you the next day. Like, you, but you, you own the repercussions because you know the consequences of it, right? Yeah. So my question to that is, is um, with that awareness, what are maybe some pieces that you can give to guys right now that can help them to check in with themselves and kind of overcome this FOMO? Yeah. Uh, how I do it is I'm learning to be more in tune with my intuition. So how I personally do this is when I have a decision to make, I will get calm, you know, not, not be doing anything else, reduce external stimuli. So close my eyes, you know, silence, just sit down, breathe. And I'll ask myself, you know, the question, whatever it is, should I drink tonight? And then I'll wait to see what the feeling, the corresponding feeling to that question is. For me, I've noticed that a, a slight elevating kind of tingly sensation uh, around um, my neck and up into the temple area, it, difficult to describe, but I've noticed for me, that is a yes. Uh, what a no for me feels like is this kind of empty slash, you know, um, uncomfortable gut feeling in the stomach area. So for me, it's still very faint most of the time. So I, I have really have to pay attention. That's why I reduce external stimuli. So if you can get to that state, because we know what we should be doing, right? We have all the answers inside. We don't need anybody else to, to tell us how to live. It's just that we've gotten so far away from how we should be living from our intuition and we're letting other people make our decisions, right? FOMO. Mm -hmm. So that's how I do it. Uh, if it's, if it's a decision that I'm going back and forth with in my brain, because, and most guys are uh, very analytical, right? So we'll, mm -hmm. we'll think about it in our head rationally. It's like, let's get out of our heads for a second. Let's think with our hearts and let's, let's ask our bodies what is right in the moment. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then real quick to touch on your point on wine. Yes. Until I tried dry farm wines. Oh, so interesting. I, I track my sleep with a, a whoop wristband. Yeah. And, uh, that tells you, uh, HRV, um, you know, strain, uh, sleep, the different stages of sleep, activity levels, all that stuff. So after a single drink, no matter what it was, I would notice a decrease in HRV, a decrease in uh, recovery, a decrease in sleep quality, and a decrease in resting or an increase in resting heart rate. So all mm -hmm. negative metrics, right? Then at the Metabolic Health Summit this year in Santa Barbara, California, I met the Dry Farm Wines people. I had the equivalent of two glasses of wine two days in a row. Tracked my sleep, zero fluctuation in HRV, resting heart rate, and sleep quality. I was flabbergasted. Mm. So now wow. that is the only wine that I drink. And what I attribute that to is they 
they only use biodynamic farming methods, uh, typically oh, nice. from uh, places in uh, France and other countries, because in America, most uh, wine is sprayed tremendously with uh, glyphosate and they add like purple dyes to it and stuff. So any wine you get from dry farm wine doesn't contain any of that bullshit, like no pesticides, no added sugar, no purple dyes. It's lower in alcohol, higher in antioxidants. Um, so yeah, little side note, you can have fun if you know how to hack it. Yeah, no, that's fascinating, bro. I'm, thank you for sharing that, by the way, because yeah. that's something I'm going to look into as well, because I noticed uh, the same thing. I track all my stuff with a Garmin watch and I know if I have one glass of wine, dude, my whole sleep pattern, all it goes to shit and a uh, couple glasses of wine, easily the same thing. Right. And I feel it the next morning too. I don't feel as on top of my game. I don't feel yeah. as acute and aware. Like I noticed that difference. And that's kind of one of those pieces uh, to your point earlier about when you dial in that diet you actually get to know yourself so much better. Yes. And this is what I love about being a high performance coach is I know how to hack things. Like yeah. on the nights that I do drink, I've got this whole protocol that I lay out for like what I do before drinking, what I do while drinking, what I do the morning after drinking to still wake up the next day, alert, productive, no brain fog. So it's, it's incredible. So it's like, I can still have all the fun, but I just know how to hack it. So it, it, it's really cool. Well, and this is huge because this is, this is really where you're creating this life for men where they can thrive. And I want to dive into that because you make this, you know, you make it. And I, I talk about this before, but so many of us men, we just simply try to survive, right? And the whole idea of living is we want to be thriving. And that's part of what you're doing right now. That's how you're giving men that balance. That's how you're giving men that step up in life to really have that. And let's talk about how you do this. Part of that is optimizing their health, right? And then mm -hmm. part of that is going to be also with their mindsets. What are you taking these guys through to really get them in like a short way? I know it's obviously it's very in depth, but what's yeah. like the surface level response to how you guys, how you're helping these guys really achieve this? So it's all represented by my logo. As you can see here, yeah. if you're just listening to this episode, it is a pirate ship wheel with eight spokes to it. And each of those eight spokes corresponds to the one of the most important aspects of uh, lifestyle optimization. So we've got at the top mindset. I'll just bust through them because there's a, we could spend a bunch of time on, on each thing. Yeah, we've yeah. got mindset, vision, which is your MVVP, mission, vision, values, and purpose. Then we've got brain health. So that's balancing out neurotransmitter levels. Then we've got sleep touched on that. Then we've got relationships, like creating quality connections and communicating effectively. Then exercise, uh, or sorry, the nutrition, then exercise, then biohacking. So in order to live your optimized life, you have to learn how to properly steer, aka balance each of those spokes on what I call the wheel of lifestyle optimization. To simplify that for people, because there's a whole bunch of you know, things, obviously I've created what I call the captain's code. Captain's code is an acronym. It stands for the 12 fundamental articles by which I and other crew members live to, to simplify the, the steering of the wheel of lifestyle optimization. So we can go into these. The first C stands for cold exposure. The, uh, the A is affirmations. The P is play with life. 
The T is train your mind and your body. Uh, the second A is accept the uncontrollable. The I is inspire other people. The N is nasal breathing. The S is sun exposure. The second C is connect with mother nature and with loved ones. The O is observe your thoughts and actions. The D is delegate tasks to others. And the E is eat real food. So those are the basics. Like if you find yourself stuck, revert back to whichever article of the code you are lacking in. Mm, those are solid basics, bro. I love that. What was, uh, what was, I always find this fascinating. Was there like a key moment with when you started to go down this road of wanting to help men optimize their lives? Was there a key moment or a key piece of information that really transformed your game? There's been many. To answer your question, no, like nothing just blaringly sticks out. For me, like I said, it, it was primarily that turning point when I broke my ankle. Now, I, I had had failures before that. I had had many failures, aka learning experiences after that. But it was really just the culmination of learning from all of these experiences on my own personal path to lifestyle optimization that you know led me to this. So it, it's been an ongoing process. Yeah, no, that's good, man. I, I had well. The reason I ask is because I know for me, when it came to nutrition, especially like I did bodybuilding, and it's not like you don't do healthy nutrition and bodybuilding. That's not the whole yeah. point of it. So you do nutrition, it's just not healthy. So what? But what got me on the point of doing healthy nutrition was actually like I read the book Sleep Smarter uh, by Sean Stevenson. I don't know if you had the opportunity to read that, but for some reason that just like literally clicked me into place on realizing how if we can optimize our body naturally, we can really get ourselves fucking humming. And that to me is what stepped up my game for, you know, helping with nutrition and fitness and actually getting people on a correct circadian rhythm and everything else hormonally. Gotcha. So yeah, now that you mentioned that, uh, not one specific, you know, piece of information or book, but a methodology I would attribute to most of this knowledge. I was a CrossFit coach in the Marine Corps. And then once I got out of the Marine Corps, I continued coaching CrossFit. Um, uh, I was actually the, the head coach, uh, recruited to be the head coach of the biggest CrossFit gym in Saudi Arabia, which that's a whole nother <laughs> story that, you know, I, I learned a lot of things from that. Um, but yeah, CrossFit really showed me what it's like to actually be healthy because I, I didn't, I wasn't training bodybuilding, but back in high school, you know, I was doing the traditional bodybuilding style sets and, uh, you know, basically just eating whatever, like I mentioned, you know, McDonald's, like after high school, I was tired of being the skinny guy. So I gained 30 pounds in three months, just eating literally whatever. Right. So oh. gained a lot of weight, but it wasn't all good weight. Uh, right. So then what I love about CrossFit is, is that it, it, goes beyond fitness, right? They teach you how to move properly. Like form is something that most people who I see in the gym neglect, even personal trainers. Like it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, they also go deep into nutrition and, uh, you know, stress management and sleep specifically Ben Bergeron is who I learned most of this stuff from. Uh, that's, I listened to probably like the first 25 to 30 of his podcasts after I broke my ankle two, three times. 
um, the, the chasing excellence podcast. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. So that's where I got a lot of my information. He's like one of the world's best CrossFit coaches. So that's when I learned that, okay, spending one hour in the gym does not offset the other 23 hours of a bad lifestyle, right? Which is what most right. people think. They think, oh, yeah. if I just go to the gym, I'll be healthy. Like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, that's a uh, that's good, man. So yeah, you had that philosophy kind of wrapped around you, and that's where you kind of took that from, and that changed really that game in in focusing and hammering down on the importance of those other twenty three hours. Which that when you say it like that too, I mean, I don't know how many people haven't said that to themselves that way, but when you say it like that, you're like, wow, I am an idiot. Why did I think one hour of training was going to offset these shitty habits for twenty three hours? That's so good, man. Well, sense, dude, right? the um the other thing that you oh hell yeah. The other thing that you're you're doing is you're helping men kind of really move towards this healthier way of being for themselves that is counterintuitive to how we're being raised in society, right? Like kind of going against the societal norms. And what is it that you're seeing in societal norms that we're being given that isn't really serving us? Uh, everything, <laughs> um, like done everything. <laughs> honestly, though, there's, it's like, it's like once every quarter I have this existential crisis that holy shit, everything in modern society is toxic. Uh, you know, from like, we could talk about water, like why I'm drinking from glass instead of plastic, right? Because the plastics right. leak estrogenic compounds into the water and our tap water is filled with contaminants, like just so many things that most people are oblivious to. Uh, we can talk about EMFs, which is why I'm wearing this necklace right now. Uh, like so many things in just our everyday lives that people consider normal. Personal care products are another huge one. I interviewed Dr. Ali Cohen, Dr. Ali Cohen on my podcast, and she mentioned that in the United States, there is zero regulation of what is allowed in personal care products. So we've mm -hmm. got things like parabens, phthalates, artificial fragrances that cause brain fog, disrupt the endocrine system. So again, almost everything in our modern lives is detracting from masculinity, especially like those things that I mentioned in the personal care products in the water uh, and EMFs actually can lower testosterone. So unless we are cognizant of these things, th this is the reason why testosterone levels have been rapidly declining, right? Yep. Um, aside from the health standpoint, we're, we're now just expected to go along with whatever the mainstream media says, like, like pronouns, for example and like 75 different genders. Like we're just supposed to accept these things. I saw uh, a tweet from Jordan Peterson. Uh, he, I, I think he retweeted like a news article that said the Marine Corps, the United States Marine Corps is considering replacing sir and ma'am in boot camp in fear of, you know, gender neutral people. Like whatever the fuck, like it just blows my mind that the Marine Corps is now considering this. So we've just, there's so many weak, spineless men who just like accept other people's opinions in fear of being ridiculed, canceled, whatever the fuck it is. Like mm -hmm. we need to speak our mind and stand up for what we believe in. 
Mm, yeah, dude, trust me, that resonates with me for sure, man. I see the same shit and it just, it baffles me that people, and, and like you said, specifically, I, I think men are targeted and for many different reasons, but there's, I think men are targeted in a lot of this stuff um, and really to stop that, that sense of friction because historically men are the ones that have created uprisings. Like it's, it's always permanently men. So yes. when that uprising happens, if, how do you do that when you stifle masculinity and you take guys down and you tell them it's bad to be masculine? So if you want to be part of the community, you got to conform with all this bullshit, right? How do you make someone, e someone easy to control? Make mm -hmm. them weak, reliant on other people? Like, this is exactly what's happening right now. It, yeah. Like... People call us conspiracy theorists or whatever, but it's like, just look at what's happening. Look at where society is going. We have so much technology and knowledge now, yet more problems than ever before. Depression is at its highest. Stress and anxiety are higher than they've ever been. Like obesity, chronic disease, they're all raising. There's no reason this should be happening when we have the knowledge and the technology to prevent it, right? Like mm -hmm. something is going on. What we're being oh, yeah. sold is not what we need. No, absolutely not, brother. I agree, man. And that's a, and that's why I love this this question, this conversation here is also like, what are you seeing with men that come to you and they're like, bro, Taylor, I need I need your help, man. Like this is this is fucked. I'm fucked. What what do you see that you're getting that's predominantly the main thread, common thread that's moving through those men? Most men who come to me are struggling on the spectrum in these two categories, fat loss and time management. Like they are either overweight, most people, it's like 60% of the US population is overweight or obese, which is yeah. astounding, right? So yeah. most guys come to me, they're overweight. They want to uh, obviously lose fat and actually be confident in their appearance and their abilities, right? Because not everything is about appearance. It's being physically capable to do things and, you know, play with your grandkids and, you know, go skiing, whatever it is you want to do as a man, you should be able yeah. to do it, uh, let alone protect yourself and your family. And then time management, like, as we mentioned earlier in this podcast, they find themselves getting distracted and can't stay focused. They're, they're not productive. So their mind's all over the place and they're essentially comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. They're comfortable in their average mediocre lives. They've, they've fallen into the, the modern man trap, you know, settling for a job that pays the bills uh, for a relationship that they're it's okay. Right. It's, it's a good relationship, but it's, there's not that deep, like passionate love. Um, th that's a big one that a lot of guys fall into the trap of, because again, it is, it is difficult. It is scary to realize, okay, I've been in this marriage for 15 years. I'm not fully satisfied. What am I going to do? Divorce my wife of 15 years? Yes. If you're not fully satisfied, like if, if it's not a full fuck, yes, it's a no. Most mm -hmm. guys are just, you know, falling victim to the, the good enough life and they're just settling. And that leads to what I consider to be the worst possible human experience, which is regret, mm -hmm. specifically on your deathbed at a time where there's no longer anything you can do about it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, lately, I've noticed this this being a problem in the older generation of guys, uh, like sixty plus, because mm-hmm. they're at a point to where you know they they see the end coming. They're retired, so now their one kind of half ass purpose is gone, and it's it, it it's sad, and they're in this place of again of of the unknown. They're on the edge of continuing to settle or taking a leap to mm-hmm. uncertainty, right? So that's what I help facilitate for these guys is help show them, like, I understand it's going to be scary. Like, I get it. Yeah. Here is a step-by-step process to help get you there, right? Because once you become, again, my, my catchphrase, you know, the captain of your own life, you understand that literally everything in your life is in your control. Once you mm-hmm. understand that and you trust yourself and your abilities, it doesn't matter what's thrown at you. You know that you're able to handle it and overcome it, right? Mm-hmm. So to tie it up, three things, actually. Fat loss, staying focused, and lack of purpose. Yeah, and anybody listening right now, if you're not seeing how Taylor's addressing this, he already gave you, he's going after the root, right? Which is the captain's code because the captain's code basically lays out attack because those are all just byproducts, right? Those are byproducts of a deeper issue, right? And you're going after the root. You're not chasing the symptom. Well, the thing is like, I, I chased the, the, the symptom for a while, just like, you know, Western medicine. The analogy I like to give for this is if you had a pain in your foot, Western medicine and, and what most people do in their lives is they take an aspirin or a painkiller to get rid of the pain. Instead of like what I do as a holistic lifestyle specialist, I ask you some questions. I take off your shoe, look in there. It's like, oh, there's a fucking rock in your shoe. Let's dump that out. Put it back on. Oh, look, no more foot pain. Right. So yeah, yeah, getting to the root cause and the, the best tool that I can give anybody for getting to the root cause is is called the four step method. We could spend a lot of time on this, but essentially it's think of a story that's bothering you. You know, the, the thing that you are replaying in your head over and over, like whether it's uh, your breakup with your ex or how much you hate your boss. Okay, whatever. Then intuitively ask yourself, okay, where am I feeling this in my body? Is it like a, a gut feeling? Is it a, a tightness in the chest? Um, usually it's it's some form of that. It's like, okay, when is the first time that I remember experiencing this tightness in my chest, for example? That may lead you to a memory of when you were 12 years old and, uh, you know, your, your dad yelled at you and you felt scared and afraid or whatever it is. If you are able to identify that memory, it doesn't have to be from childhood. It could be a year ago, you know, whatever comes to mind, write that story down, actually pen and paper, right? The old school method, like you're actually telling a story, err on the side of more detail than less as if it's going to be in a book. That's step one. Step one, write it down and then read it conversationally. Okay. Uh, That's step two. Step three is read it at 75% speed. So what that's going to do, because most of these stories are going to be um, emotionally charged, right? What happens when we're in an an emotionally charged situation? We like to rush through it, right? We, We talk really fast to get it over with, right? That's, that's how we do it in our brains too. We just, it, it's playing over and over. We're just you know, bouncing thoughts. Like everything's chaos. 
when we slow it down, that creates distance, space, and clarity, right? Then step four is breathe. Got it tattooed on my hand. Breathe <laughs> after each punctuation. So you read a sentence. Read the next sentence. Now, what that's going to do is release a tremendous amount of the emotional charge. So now, instead of looking at this story emotionally, we can look at the story rationally. And with that distance, uh, the space and clarity, ideally, you, you'd work with a coach on this who's trained in this method. It's, it's called the Enlifted Method. You can tweak some words. You can move things around and you can see, oh, okay, well, it, it wasn't really this person's fault. Like, I chose to feel this way about the situation, right? They didn't put these feelings in me. And so this is a, a very condensed way of explaining uh, the four-step method, but it is transformational for, for guys. I incorporate this into my coaching program. I do this at the immersion, which after you graduate my four-month program, you can attend the immersion. I, I hire, or not hire, but, um, well, yeah, hire. I get guest speakers, like level three coaches <laughs> of this method and facilitate story work sessions for the guys. And it, it's, it is the thing that changes people's identity, like the way that they see themselves and how they show up to the world. It's been transformational for me. And it works wonders for guys out there who have tried everything and, and who feel so stuck because we haven't actually addressed the root cause, which is these stories that we're telling ourselves. The stories we tell ourselves dictate how we feel. How we feel determines how we show up in the world, right? So if we can change mm -hmm. the stories and how we view reality, how we think, then we can change how we feel. When we change how we feel, we change how we show up and how we respond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful, brother. And I love that. Thank you for sharing that, by the way, because that just like, I mean, as we're winding down here, I was like, dude, this couldn't be a better like kind of flow into the ending of the podcast of giving them something that's really tangible that if anybody just goes back and listens to that, you can pull that out and you can extrapolate a lot from that to really help develop yourself. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't rewind and listen to, to me say it. Uh, I would <laughs> I would listen to episode 126 of my podcast. This is my most downloaded episode, uh, actually second most. I had Gary Vee on my podcast, so that was you know number one. But number two is episode 126, uh, Overcoming the Victim Mentality Using Language Jiu-Jitsu with Mark England, mm. who is the founder of this method. He details okay. the four-step process, um, different language hacks. So definitely recommend checking that one out. Awesome. Yeah. Everybody check that out. Well, brother, this has been an amazing conversation. You obviously are very skilled at what you do. And I love how you're showing up to really help men in the world today. I love the captain's code. I love the fact, did you do captain? Cause your last name is Morgan. Is that what you did this for? No. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Oh, I love it, man. No, it's really awesome, brother. Um, love this. And for everybody out there, we're going to link everything in the show notes, but Taylor, you want to let everybody know where to find you, how to be part of your ecosystem and how to get involved with what you got going on right now. Yeah. Uh, at, at, uh, all the social medias while I still have them, uh, because <laughs> free, free speech is being suppressed. I have been banned oh, and yeah. locked and had posts taken down many times. Currently they are still up, 
uh, at Captain underscore Taylor underscore Morgan on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, and then you can just go to the captainslifestyle.com. Uh, you'll find everything there. Awesome, brother. Yeah, we'll link all this in the show notes. So anybody that is listening that doesn't uh, go there on their phone after this episode, go ahead and drop down to the show notes, click on the links and go find Taylor. Well, brother, again, amazing conversation. My last question for you before we rip out of here is, what does the art of masculinity mean to you? Ooh, big question. From my perspective, one of the most important aspects of masculinity is integrity, is being a man of your word, making and keeping promises, not only to others, but more importantly, to yourself as a man. So do the things that you say you're going to do. So that little voice in your head that's telling you, oh, we don't really want to go to the gym today. We're comfortable. Oh, it's okay. You can have the the piece of cake. You can have another drink that voice that rationalizes with you, that is your lower self. That's the version of you that wants to stay comfortable, that wants to stay the same, right? And especially if you've committed to something, if you've committed to going to the gym five days a week, if you've committed to a certain diet, if you've committed to no alcohol for whatever period of time, stick to that. Stick to whatever it is you say you're going to do, because that builds integrity. That builds your ability to follow through with the things you say you're going to do. So for me, the art of masculinity, it's multifaceted. The most important piece is integrity. Mm, Brother, you're speaking to my heart right there, man. I love that one too. That is one that I preach a lot to the men out there is integrity. Because if you can't believe in yourself, if you can't believe what you say to yourself, how can anybody else trusts you. Right. So love that brother. Well, thank you again, Taylor. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time, your wisdom, and I appreciate how you're showing up for men in the world. And to everybody listening, as always, remember to drop the ego and stay humble till next time, guys.